Uh, Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to read the whole chapter. We'll pray, and then we'll jump into verse 7, because we, and I, I hope finish the whole chapter, because we, we kind of did the first, well, kind of, we did the first six verses last week. So let's, let's read. We'll get the, the uh, reading blessing and the hearing blessing immediately, okay? There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars in heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, which she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out his mouth, cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, um, you know, um, some people don't even read Revelation. Some people don't study Revelation. We're not your editors, Lord. We're just, we're just going to faithfully proclaim your word and go to the next verse and the next verse and try to understand it all. And you've given this chapter for a reason. Help us to decipher, to figure out the reason, Lord. Um, and just bless our time in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now, the first six verses we, we kind of covered last week, and I don't want to uh, belabor the point, and if I, don't, if I try to reiterate them, we lose all our time. Uh, Wednesday, uh, there were several here, and I'm assuming that some of you were online joining us, and we talked about the chiastic structure of Scripture, and that chapter 12 is a chiasm. You're saying, what are you talking about? Ah, you weren't here Wednesday. Um, 
I can't get into it. It would be instructive for you to go back and listen to that. Uh, it's not an ego thing. It's a, it's a really very beneficial, it's helpful. Uh, chi, the letter X, looks like an X in Greek. Scripture is like kind of sometimes X-shaped. There's like A, B, C, D, C, B, A. And it's kind of, and I kind of, because that's how they do it. And that's, and it's called a chiasm. It's in poetry. It's, people have known this for a long time. And, but the reason that I'm even talking about this theological term, and I'm not a theologian, I don't generally teach theology, it's because it tells us what chapter 12 is all about. The chiasm, the, the X, the, the crux, the, where it crosses is, there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was there any place found anymore in heaven, and that great dragon was cast out. That's what the chapter is about, and everything else is supporting that idea. And like Wednesday night, I went through and showed us that. And and so, like I say, if you, I'm, I'm gonna now you're all caught up. If you just take by faith what I said, if you're thinking, wait, what are you talking about? Well, check out Wednesday night. This is about Satan being cast out of heaven. So, verse seven, there was war in heaven. Wait a second, there's war in heaven. I'm going to heaven. I kind of like to put war behind me by the time I get there. Sorry. But Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The saints aren't fighting against the dragon. You say, are you sure we're going to be in heaven at this time? Sure as I can be about any scripture. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 teaches us that come up here is the church being raptured in heaven. I don't think there's much question about that. Not around here there's not. Other churches, they will wrestle with that and let them sort it all out. But that's our belief. In chapter 4, chapter 5, the 24 elders around the throne, I think proves conclusively the church in heaven during the tribulation. But there's war in heaven while we're there. But it's not your war. And you needn't worry. Say, Satan's pretty tough hombre. Yeah, but you're an immortal. You've put on <laughs> invincibility. You're, you're tougher than Superman. There's no kryptonite that's going to hurt you. But it's not your battle. It's Satan's battle. Uh, and Michael's battle. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, they fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Um, if, you, if you believe from verse 4, his tail, that's talking about this dragon... His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, did cast them to the earth. The thought and the theology is that when Satan fell, he took a third of the angelic host with him. So now you have him fighting against the, the good angels, and they outnumber him two to one. I like the odds, but it's not really about odds. God's on their team. I don't care if all the angelic host is going against God. It's not like a close contest. Gee, I wonder how this is going to end up. And I've said before, people think like there's Lucifer and there's Jesus and these great titans are going to stop. Stop thinking like that. There's creator God and then there's everything else. Jesus is not Satan's equal. Satan is a better way to say it. Satan is not Jesus' equal. Jesus is without peer. He's the creator Lucifer, a powerful, arch uh, a powerful cherub who fell, is not Jesus' equal. Michael's equal. And Michael is fighting against the dragon. But the dragon 
and his angels, they prevailed not, first eight. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Look at their place, not T-H-E-R-E, T-H-E-I-R, belonging to them. Their place, the place that they own in heaven, was no more. You say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Adam, let me get this. Satan has, like, real estate, like, place, like, authority, like, permission to be in heaven? Well, yeah. I mean, we studied Job, but let's go there. I think it's going to be instructive to us. All right. Um, Job, Old Testament. Just before Psalms, you can find Psalms really easy. And then you just turn to the left, you'll find the book of Job. Chapter 1. And I think this is very instructive. Um, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. Chapter 1, verse 1. Um, um, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Sons of God, angels. I defy anyone any time at all to show me the phrase sons of God when it doesn't mean angels. Okay? Here, now you say, well, we become sons of God, even to them believe in his name. Uh, Benai Elohim in Hebrew always means angels, okay? And that's the phrase we're seeing here. So the sons of God came to present themselves for the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Why? Because he has access to heaven. Say, why? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I know the scripture says that for certain. And then he starts accusing Job. Look at the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Is that kind of a little bit snotty? A little bit arrogant? Just a little bit sassy? It sounds to me like it is. And I may be wrong about that. The Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> Wait a second. Because I think Job's down on earth going, Lord, mm, mm. <laughs> no way. We don't have to bring, um, uh, no, no, he's already considered Job. Look at, he's, there's none like Job. He's perfect, he's upright, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou made an hedge about him and about his house and all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. What's Job, what's Satan doing about Job? He's accusing him before God. He's also accusing God. Yeah, put a hedge about him. Sure, of course he's good. You bless him. You, you're a sugar daddy. You give him all this stuff. Of course he's going to worship you. Was there an accusation there? Of course there is. That's what, that's what Satan does. That's who he is. Uh, Diablos, devil, Diablos, accuser. <laughs> that's what he does. That's who he is. And then he goes on and Jesus, uh, I say Jesus, the Lord gives him permission. Just leave him alone. You can take his stuff. And Satan is, he's insane. He's testing Job. What he does, he kills all his children. He takes all, everything he owns and wipes it all out. And that's the, that's the rest of the chapter. Chapter 2, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord, said to Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, uh, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. 
Lord said to Satan, you consider my servant Job? There's no one like him in the earth, a perfect and uprighteth man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest against me to destroy him without a cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Well, you wouldn't let me touch him. That's the problem. If I hurt him, he's going to, what does he say? Put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse thee to thy face. What's he doing? He's accusing Job before God. That's what he does. That's who he is. Now, is your name come up in heaven? I, I would say, yeah. Yeah. That's by Satan himself? I don't know. One of his henchmen? I, I, I don't know how exactly how it works. But this is what's happening in verse 7. There's war in heaven. Michael's angel fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels. But they got kicked out. Okay, everyone out of the pool. You don't have to leave, but you can't stay here. And Satan wipes out the angelic host, the fallen angelic host, place in heaven. There's no place for them anymore. And that great dragon was cast out. This is what the chapter's about. The great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan. Because now he's not using dragon uh, analogy. He's, 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 he's spelling it out for us so we can't miss it. The devil, Satan, he, de- he, he deceiveth the whole world. Does Satan deceive the whole world? Have you watched the news? I feel like I'm the only person who sees right through the facade. I, I'm on a four-year moratorium. I don't watch the news. People have to tell me what's going on because I am not. I'm not. Why? One, I don't like to be constantly lied to. Two, it really makes my blood boil. It gets me angry. And I don't, it puts my brain in a bad, not spirit-filled place. You go ahead and watch as much news as you want. I don't think it's good for you. You know, in Philippians, whatever is pure, whatever is, you know, of a good report, it doesn't pass that test. You're just, you're just, you're letting people lie to you. And at some point, you hear it off enough, you're going to believe certain things. I, I have had this conversation with adults, and you think like, hey, they've said, and, and I quote, Adam, they couldn't put it on TV if it weren't true. Don't! <sighs> What do you do with that? Oh, my goodness. Satan deceives the whole world. Do you know, remember we were in 1 John? I think it's chapter it's chapter 4, I think. The whole world lieth in wickedness. It's literally saying the whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. Not you, not me, but the whole world, worldlings, the inhabitants of the earth. I was there. I know what it's like. I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I thought, you know, there was a time in my life, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. There was a time in my life, I thought good people went to heaven and bad people went to hell. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, so? Show me that verse. Anyway, let's keep moving because we won't, we, we got to get a certain place, Okay. Great dragon, he's cast out the old serpent. He deceives the whole world. He's cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Why is he cast out into the earth? Why didn't he go to, like, one of the many, 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 many thousands of billions of Class M planets that are inhabited by all the different denizens of the galaxy? Because um, there are none? Just a thought, okay? 
Can I say that scripturally? Certainly, no. But, I, but he's cast out and he goes to earth. Why? Because that's where all the action is. That's where people are. Just a thought. Heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. So uh, this doxology happens in heaven. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Day and night is a euphemism here for 24-7. Day and night. That's all there is. Okay? You're either, it's daytime or nighttime. What is Satan doing? He's the terminator. No, he doesn't sleep. No mercy. No, he does no off switch. He's always accusing. Now, I think if my name came up in heaven from Satan's lips to God, I, I don't know how to say this without just saying it. I've given him plenty of ammunition over the years to accuse me before God. He doesn't have to make up stuff. He's a liar, but God would see through his lies. I've given him enough ammunition. But I don't even think it's about that. Remember, Job was a righteous man. And he's saying, well, yeah, it's in, and he's telling, explaining to God, what, yeah, why he's righteous. Yeah, sure. But Job never sins. Don't give Satan ammunition, will you? I, it, I'm learning these things, and I'm still learning them after 40 years of walking with the Lord. Every time I sin, it's kind of dumb in this. I have power to tread down lions and adders. Don't you remember from Psalm 91? Why lions and adders? Why not? Because they're both symbolic of Satan. Satan's like a roaring lion. He's like a nasty old snake. And God's given us authority over to tread down, to, to have victory over. And every time I'm caught up in sin or something like that, I'm giving Satan ground that Jesus Christ has won and handed to me. I didn't even have to earn it. Here you go. Here's the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Here you go, Adam. It's all yours. And I'm, I'm dumber than my namesake, Adam. I'm just giving back real estate. And then, of course, once you give it away... It's hard to regain it, but it's very, very possible. What, what are you going to do? You repent, and you got to pray, Lord, I, that was dumb, that was wrong. Your way's right. My way is knucklehead and just, just, Lord, forgive me and establish me, fill me with your spirit. He, will he do it? Yeah, only every time. I know, I know from personal experience. I know, I know what I'm saying. Oh, he, But he's, he accuses... Um, the church, uh, and before God, day and night. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. No, we could spend the rest of our time. I want to finish off the whole chapter, but this is like really important. How do you overcome Satan? Uh, by the blood of the Lamb. Well, that was a perfect place for an amen. You want me to tee it up again? How do you overcome Satan? Uh, by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you. <laughs> Look, how else? Jesus is a victory. I'm going to overcome Satan by me being good. I, I, people, it's almost a universal. It's axiomatic. We all think that's a true statement. But the Bible tells us there is no one good. 
How do, you, how do you overcome Satan by being good? What about all the bad you've already done? And you know what we do? We say, I'm good. And what we do is we just take good and we just put it way down here. And we find some pervert, druggy, nasty, filthy living, just horrible, perverted. You know, just think about the worst person you could possibly, some Hitler or some, well, at least I'm not like, we got to find somebody we're doing better than. And then we're good because we're not that person, right? Where's that verse in the Bible? How do you? How come you think like that? I, the Bible says that we compare ourselves with ourselves. That's unwise. You can always. I'm going to tell you something. You're always going to find somebody you're doing better than. I. <laughs> I and by the way. Um, I was many of those things I just said. I mean, that's, that's how it works. You know, I was talking about the East Coast pastor with somebody. Um, you know how many convicted felons or Calvary Chapel pastors? Uh, you know how many um, bad guys? I'm just talking about bad I can tell you some stories that were just... Uh, but now they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. How's that work? It's called grace. It's called... Um, Overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So the blood, the lamb, the blood of the Lamb isn't universal. Jesus died, now we're all, we're all going to heaven. Now, there's a personal testimony involved. What does that mean? I came in contact with the blood of the Lamb by faith. Jesus not only died for sin, he died for my sin. Not only is he the Savior, he's my Savior. This is where your personal testimony come in. And by the way, it's a very powerful thing. The blood of Jesus Christ is uber-powerful, atomic in the, the world of the spiritual. Uh, Satan accuses uh, me before God. It's all under the blood. Okay? He accuses you before the Lord. It's all under the blood. But here's the, here's the part. The word of your testimony. You ever try to use that on somebody? Because I share the gospel with them. The gospel is the word of God. And even people who don't believe it's the word of God, it's still living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I've had people tell me, oh, I don't believe that. And then just been decimated by that word that they said they didn't believe in. It's the word of God whether you believe it or not. And it will be active in your life whether you believe it or not. Uh, it was in mine. And by the word of the testimony. Your testimony is an important thing. Oh, it really is. Hey, you know what happened to me? Uh, okay, you know, um, well, all our testimony, I say this all the time, all our testimony is the same. I was a knucklehead. I was, I was going to hell. And then Jesus saved me, and now I'm going to heaven. The rest is details. But the details are important. Because I will say, I was brought up in a real religious house. And now people who are brought up in a real religious home, they're, they're tuning in and saying, oh yeah, yeah, when I was in the Marine Corps, and, I, and, people, said, and people were in the armed service, and they're leaning and saying, oh, well, I was in the Marine Corps. And, and, and so this is what happened. You know, Jesus invaded my life. He told me that I was a sinner. And I, was, and I used the verses. And I tell what happened to me. You ca- I can't, you weren't there. I was there. And when I tell that testimony, that, that, that word, that's a powerful thing. It really is. How many times have, have people shared their testimony and we've seen real fruit come from it? Like dramatic. Like people say, like, man, you were like messed up and you got saved. I don't know. Maybe Jesus could save me too. That happens. God uses that. It's all got to be the, by the blood of the Lamb. We're not getting around that. Jesus saves by his blood. And. Your testimony is a powerful thing. Share it. And they love not their lives under the death. How do you overcome Satan? 
how do you fall to satanic pressure? You just start taking these verses, these precious words, and you start watering them down, and you try to make yourself the exception and every other thing. But when you understand who God is and who you are, you're bought with a price. Now, uh, my day is set before me. Oh, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he'll lay out before us what he wants us to do with our lives. It's his call. It's not us. And any time I'm doing sin, I'm, I'm involved in my own thing, not God's thing. We, many of us haven't figured this out, and it's kind of sad. If you don't have anything to die for, you have nothing to live for. And when you finally figure out it's all about God, it's not about me, and he can take over my life, even to the point of death, and that's fine, and it's even good, then our life has structure and meaning, and everything kind of falls into its place. But if you love your life more than you love God, you're always going to be struggling. Are you, are you afraid of death? I know a lot of people I talk about, they're afraid of the future and they're afraid of what's going to happen. Me? Really? Ten foot tall and bulletproof. Oh, yeah, but I'll, you know, people threaten you. I'll kill you. It's like, don't threaten me with a good time. Is that all you got? All you can do is kill me? Is that all? Really? That's laughable when you figure it out. If you love your life more than you love God, you're going to be struggling. I'm just saying. Listen, do you feel accused right now? I'm not an accuser. Uh, I'm just trying to show you a method. I'm trying to show you, like, you get this, figure this all out. And this, this is from a pastor who loves you. Figure this all out. And life will be so much clearer. Easy? No, it's never easy to put down flesh. Um, you pray that the Spirit will fill you. You're not going to put down flesh in the power of your flesh. You know, the Spirit helps us to overcome and He gives us self-control. But I think a big part of it is figuring out. Okay, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knoweth that is, he hath but a short time. He's like a, he's like a cornered animal. He is, and he's, he, I said earlier, he's a tough guy. He really is. Got amazing powers. And at this point, he's kind of got free reign. Uh, earth dwellers, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, always talking about unbelievers. Well, he's going to be good with his own. No, no. He's not kind to anybody. He's got a short time, and he knows it. He understands Scripture. He gets it. When the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. The woman, from verse 1 uh, through whatever, uh, verse 5, 6, um, the woman is the nation Israel. Okay, we can't reestablish that. I'm looking at the clock and saying we, we're not going to revisit that. It's the nation Israel. Uh, when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted Israel, which brought forth the man-child. The man-child is Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ come from Israel? Yes, oh, we, we know that. You say, well, it's Mary. Mary brought forth the man-child. But that doesn't make any sense. The woman fled into the wilderness. She has a place prepared of God, in verse 6, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, which, by the way, is three and a half years. The Spirit of God always lets us know that this is the middle of the tribulation. He always gives us that little indicator. So Mary flies into the wilderness. 
and sustained three and a half years. Yeah, back in Egypt and all that, remember? This is still talking about a future time. This is during halfway through the tribulation. Mary's not coming back to earth um, where she will be in the wilderness for three... No, that's... No, it doesn't even work. Israel will be... and Because we visited a lot of those verses. We talked about them in the past. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, which she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. At this point, it's kind of, here's the two great champions, the woman and the serpent. And that is a battle. Uh, the serpent has hold sway over most of the earth. Um, he's going to take vengeance on her seed, and it's going to be not so pretty. I'm going to show in, in Zechariah in a minute some of the things that's going to happen. The woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Some people said it's the United States Air Force. Mm, I don't think so. I'm just sorry. Uh, Exodus was carried on the wings of an eagle. Uh, in the Exodus, the children of Israel were carried out of Egypt on the wings of the eagle, and I certainly will tell you it wasn't the United States Air Force. And by the way, at this time, you think planes are still flying? and fueling, and there's pilots, and there's, I don't think, I think you underestimate the great tribulation. I mean, when it, when it talks about beat their uh, plowshares into swords, and their pruning hooks into spears, and, and God's laughing at them saying, come on up, up uh, to the you know valley of uh, uh, Megiddo there. And we've looked at those verses on Wednesday nights. I think they're really talking about plowshares and pruning hooks, because I think at this point, we're almost back to the Stone Age. It's, it's, it's going in reverse. Uh, I don't care as long as my iPhone still works. <laughs> Forget about it, okay? It's, it's, this, is, this is survival. That's all it is at this point. I think the two wings of a great eagle is the eagle, Jesus Christ, okay? You know, he's the, he's the, the man and the eagle, and he's also the ox and the... Eagle, ox, man, and lion. Lion of tribe Judah. I think that's the eagle that's being referred to here. She's going into the wilderness, into her place. We talked about that before. Even Wednesday night we referred to that. She's nourished for a time, times, and half a time. Time, times, half a time, three and a half years. Here it is again, the Holy Spirit indicating this is a mid-tribulation thing. When Jesus says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, Matthew 24, beat feet. Get out of town, get out of town now. Uh, flee to the mountains is where he says, so we know where she is um, geographically, but we're not going to visit there right now. The serpent tries to kill the woman, the Israel, right? The serpent cast out his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, is this an actual flood? Well, the word is potamus. You know, hippopotamus, river, horse, or horse of the river, uh, Mesopotamia, the land between the rivers. This is that word, potamus, okay? So it would indicate a flood. But you know, and I know, sometimes flood is used for an army, you know, coming in like a flood. It could be an army. But I think it's a flood. But I could be wrong. Okay, the earth helped the woman. The earth opened up her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So he's trying to drown her, and the earth cooperates. But even if it was an army, 
It's not going to go well for the army when the earth opens up their mouth and swallows up the flood. Um, and we've seen scripture. God has done that in the past. Uh, Abiram, Dathan, anyone? Uh, Korah and his rebellion. In, uh, but, but I think, I think we could understand this as an actual flood. He's trying to drown out and it, it's not going to work, uh, so well because the earth opened up his mouth. You think, wait, Satan has power over the elements like floods, floodwaters? Uh, yeah, well, I think so. I think at this time especially. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Aha, Adam, see, it's not Israel because they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I defy you to show me Christians who are Jews and if they were, wouldn't they be in heaven with the rest of the saints? You're forgetting too many things. Remember the 12 tribes, 12,000 from each tribe, the 144,000, they're all Jewish. And they go and they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ during the tribulation. What comes of that? A multitude standing before God, which no man can number, of every tribe and kindred. And this is just Israel flying into the wilderness during the middle of the tribulation, a la Matthew chapter 24. All the scriptures connects to all the other scriptures. And these have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Why is Satan... Look, after the cross, Satan, you lose. What's, what's, what's the issue here? This is his last play. Let's go to Zechariah. If you go to uh, Matthew and turn left, you know, Malachi and Zechariah. And, you know, um, Jesus said, you're not going to see me again until you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Take that very literally because he was prophesying. I'm going away. You, unbelieving Jews, you're not going to see me anymore until you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. There has to be a remnant who will implore Jesus to come back. And we've looked at this at length on Wednesday nights. There's um, Psalm 79, Psalm 80, um, Isaiah 63 1. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens and come down. We look at the verses that say that. Look at, uh, oh, I don't know. How about, because uh, uh, we're right in Zechariah. Look at chapter 12, verse 9. It shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that shall come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. When is it going to happen? In that day, verse 9. That day we, we know always eschatological, always talking about the end times. Always, always, always. And here it is too. At that time, in the end times, I'm going to pour upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Isn't that an incredible verse? Jesus saying, Israel, I'm going to pour out prayer and supplication. They're going to have that spirit of, 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 like, of, of grace turning to the Lord. And they're going to supplication of prayer. And they're going to look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And they shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for his, uh, for his firstborn. And it goes on the rest of that. You, it's, it's, it's very instructive if you read the rest of the chapter. Is it going to be a hard time? Uh, very hard. 
uh, chapter 13, verse 8, shall come to pass in all the land, saith the Lord, two pots therein shall be cut off and die, but the third pot shall be left therein. Satan's making war with the remnant of her seed. He's successful to a large degree. Two-thirds of Israel dies, and I think that's what verse 8 says. And I will bring the third pot through the fire. Read here the time of Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried and they shall call on my name. Romans chapter 11, anyone? Uh, whoever shall, uh, Romans chapter 10, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 11 where it says all of Israel shall be saved, all that is left. Um, they shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Look at chapter 14. It's not going to go easy. Um, chapter 14, verse 2, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken. The house is rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Jesus is going to rescue the day. He's going to win the day. But after a lot of bad things. Um, so here, here's what happened in chapter 12. Satan's cast out of heaven. He's going to make war in heaven, lose. He's going to make war on earth. And he'll be somewhat successful. A lot of bad things are going to happen to her seed, the seed of the woman, Israel. He's going to try to wipe them out. If he wipes out every single Jew, there will be no one who will say, be left to say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. A lot of verses won't happen. They won't look upon me whom they have pierced. Uh, chapter 12, verse 10. You say, that's kind of a long shot, and he's kind of crazy. Hello. I've been saying that right along. When you think you're going to go against God and be successful, I call that psychotic. I don't know what you call it. He's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go against God and I'm going to win. He's going to wipe out all the Jews. He'll be somewhat successful, but he won't be entirely successful. But it's the only play he's got left. Satan is crazy. Why do you follow him? Why do you listen to him? Why, I shouldn't say it put that way. Why would one, not you, Okay, I know you people are awesome. I know that. Why would somebody listen to him? He only lies all the time. Have you, he's even tempted you and said, hey, stolen waters are sweet. It's going to be great. Why do you end up with a mouthful of gravel then if he told the truth? It's always the same. It's always he promises and he never delivers. At some point, you're going to say, you're a liar. I am not listening. I am following this blessed word. Uh, you see how this is helpful in our own life on a day-to-day -day basis? Anyway, we know what's going to happen to Israel. It's going to go very bad, but in the end, they're all going to be saved. When it says all of Israel shall be saved, it's talking about a time when there's only one-third left. And they are, uh, in that day, there shall be great mourning in Jerusalem. And the land shall mourn, every family apart. And all the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. And in that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David. Fountain always speaks of spirit revival, of, of salvation. Uh, there will be a fountain open to the house of David in the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin 
and uncleanness. It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. They shall no more be remembered. And also I cut off the prophets. And he's going to, what's, what's the, the, the outcome of the whole thing? I will say it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. That's how it all ends. And Jesus comes back and wins the day. Let's, uh, let's stand, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed here. I know I talk fast, I know, but I got a lot to cover, and I'm trying to get it all in. I'm trying not to keep you an hour over and stuff like this. So let's pray. Father, I, we know all the things that are going to play out. We understand them. I think we know them. And, Lord, we love your word. And, you know, we, as we look at our friends in Israel, and we pray that many will turn to the Lord before that great and awful day before the time of Jacob's trouble. Lord, save many. Lord, save many of our brothers and sisters and our friends and family as well. People we work with, people listen to this uh, on Facebook. Lord, just move out in a saving way and bring many people to yourself so that they don't have to go through the great tribulation. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.